Today we begin a two-part series on serial killer Haddon Clark. Haddon's story is unlike any other serial killer we've ever covered. In part one, we'll take a look at his abusive upbringing and how it would steer and affect the rest of his life. We'll also discuss a murder his older brother committed and then detail Haddon's first known killing. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. What do hometown hero Michael Simon, chef Anthony Bourdain, and a serial killer have in common? Stick around. Tonight, you might just find out. This is Necronomapod. The most infamous of the bunch is probably dissociative identity disorder. This has long been known as multiple personality disorder, and yes, it is a thing. It's a rare and flashy disorder in which a person exhibits two or more distinct and alternating identities. Some people question if dissociative identity disorder is an actual disorder at all. But some studies have shown distinct body and brain states that seem to appear in different identities. Things like one personality being right-handed while the other is left-handed, or different personalities having variations in their eyesight that ophthalmologists could actually detect. In these cases, dissociations of identity may be in response to stress or anxiety, a sort of extreme coping mechanism. Either way, the debate and the research continue. Well, guys, it's back to the old uh, sound of the pop top. Keg died. Those of you who are patrons are... Uh aware of the tragedy that occurred this past week <laughs> mid-show mid-show while uh recording the lost colony of roanoke we lost our keg of beer it was a life well lived though it, it served was. its purpose it provided lots of foamy mugs of beer endless goodness sometimes too much foam when, Except- Ma- when mike was pouring them <laughs> i'm not in charge i can't be responsible for that there's not even like a little fucking pump gimmick either way we uh Tapped the keg, the first Necronama keg of many. There'll be many to come. Maybe at some point we'll start saving the kegs and signing them and auctioning them off to people. You can have the keg that we uh, drank from. It's not bad. I was going to pour one out to the keg the other night, but we didn't have enough beer left, so I couldn't spare any to pour out. It's not we to run out. That was it. <laughs> so it's back to the cans for tonight, and uh, I figured I'm going to start today's show off with Stone Cold Steve Austin's own. You know, he's been helping us out. He gifted us that voiceover that he recorded specifically for us since we didn't have cans to open. (laughs) I'm drinking a Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull IPA available from El Segundo Brewing Company. Looks pretty good. It's pretty damn good. You want some? It's an IPA. No, it's not good. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm starting the show off with that. So cheers. Might be pretty, pretty good after this one. (laughs) That being said, uh, we had Casey Anthony part two, which seemed to, you know, the Casey Anthony series seemed to go over very well. We had Casey Anthony part two recorded prior to the Super Bowl. We did not get a chance to talk about the savior, the greatest of all time, reclaiming his throne for the seventh time. Mr. Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion. Oh, boy. Mike's been sucking Brady's nutsack for two weeks. So now you all get to hear him <laughs> talk about it. Finally, he's been waiting for two weeks. I believe if you go back in the archives to March of 2020, when Tom first signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were near the bottom of the barrel at the time, I said on this show, Tampa Bay just won the next Super Bowl. And in fact, Tampa Bay just won the next Super Bowl. Excuse me, Tampa Bay. You uh, you called it. It's not really calling, though, when you're talking about like the, literally the greatest athlete of all time. So it was a foregone conclusion in, in your mind. Why would you bet against hmm. Tom Brady? Did you put any money down in Vegas on those a, early odds? I'm not a gambler, Dave. Oh, okay. I, I, I spend enough money on my booze and my weeds. 
Your weeds. My weeds. <laughs> well, we saw your search history last week, pal. We know. That's right. I, I vaguely remember any of that conversation. <laughs> Hashtag toasted. What was it? Was doing a weed one time <laughs> can kill you or something? I, I a honest, lot of them. I honest to <laughs> God right. have no recollection of that, but that's awesome. Doing a weed. That might be a shirt. Doing a weed. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, sir. Yes, I'll have one weed. <laughs> It's like when Larry David buys weed for his dad on the street. He's all nervous right. about it. Damn it, Ian. Watch Curb Your Enthusiasm so you get this shit. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I won't I won't harp on it. We already tried doing that in a different show that got kicked to a bonus show. But anyways, congratulations to Mr. Tom Brady, the greatest professional athlete of all time. We talked about the keg, keg being tapped. Sure. New what else one, you got? New one coming soon. Have a bit of an announcement for Patreon. Really? This might be one that interests people. Starting... In March, early March, we are going to be doing a show called The Monthly Cooldown. And The Monthly Cooldown is going to be available to all patrons. That includes the $10 patrons, the $5 patrons, and I'm going to take a pee break. (laughs) (laughs) And the $1 patrons. So if you sign up to be a patron for a dollar or more... You are going to get a monthly show called The Monthly Cooldown. If you're a $5 patron, $10 patron, you're still going to have all of your perks that are, you know, that you're entitled to at your tiers. But dollar and up, a monthly cooldown where we are going to recap the last month of shows. So this episode, I think, will probably, the first one will probably come out. And bear bear with us as we kind of work through the kinks of getting it figured out. But uh, it'll come out in early March. We are going to look back at the shows we did in February talk about them, give some final thoughts, uh, you know, bullshit about them a little bit and give you patrons a sneak peek of what is uh, anticipated to come out in March. It is all tentative and our card is subject to change as we go through it, but we will give you a sneak peek of what you might expect on our Sunday shows and maybe even our bonus shows throughout March. So, and that will be available to all patrons, a dollar level, tier and up wow it's exciting it's pretty damn good i mean it's in direct response to uh you know feedback from fans so yeah. just trying to probably giving too much if you ask me eh, but hey trying to do what people ask for you know so you can get a whole extra bonus show a month if you're a dollar patron or more that's pretty damn good um so we're looking to record that episode uh sometime next week after we have all the shows for february recorded so that we can sum them all up wrap them up discuss them a little bit more and you know of course that will include uh kind of wrapping up casey anthony as well because we we got into that in february Uh, mike how are you going to remember the shows that happened in february that late in the month i won't remember a damn thing but (laughs) are you going to be able to participate in the show just kind of spitball it okay maybe i'll be in charge of telling them what's to come for march (laughs) Um, we'll be the look back guys. You'll be the look forward guy. There you go. Okay. Uh, so anyways, it'll just be something simple. It's not gonna be a long show. Just, you know, something quick we'll throw out that, uh, we'll recap the last month and give you a little bit of a preview, uh, for what's to come. I know people are always interested in what might be coming up on the show. And again, we try our best to stick to a schedule, but sometimes, you know, shit happens and things change. Uh, but we'll at least give you a little sneak peek of what to expect. So that will be starting in March. For patrons a dollar and up coming good, soon. Good stuff. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. All right. I've spoken a lot. Thanks for doing that. For this intro. I know. Single handedly we'll be handling, you know, doing all this. That's great. So. Ian, we got a, uh, a little bit of a different serial killer here tonight. 
Yeah, tonight we are going to be talking about Haddon Clark. Like you said, he's he's different from our other serial killer episodes. A lot of Haddon's victims are just claimed by him, and there isn't concrete proof that he had a part in the murders. A couple of them we'll see in part two. He just gives he he has some odd details that law enforcement held close to the vest for a long time that made them think eh, he might have something here, but they didn't. It's not concrete enough. And we're going to see the way he escalates. Seems like there's there's some more to him. He was convicted of two murders. So the way that the story is going to go is we're not going to talk about the claimed murders until he actually claimed them, even though one of them dates back to him being 14 years old. God damn. I'm sure no one will be confused with the timeline. I'm gonna try <laughs> Sounds really very hard straightforward. Not to <laughs> I'm going to try real hard to make this all seem sound like make sense and wrap it up nice next week. I'm with you. I was talking about Mikey and not the listeners. Oh, oh. I'm already confused. (laughs) (laughs) So Haddon Irving Clark was born July 31st, 1952 in Troy, New York to father Haddon Sr. and Flavia, who went by the nickname Fliver. Oh, okay. (laughs) Flavia Flav. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) He was their second child, having an older brother, Bradfield, a younger brother, Jeff, and the youngest was a sister named Allison. Almost all, none of this story takes place in New York. Almost all of it takes place in Rockville, Maryland. Is that his Christian name, Ian? Ha- Haddon? Uh, yes. His born name, so it's not a nickname. Mm-mm. Ian Nancy Grace here. Did you know that that's the nickname my family gave me, Haddon? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> years after Casey's trial, I still hadn't stopped talking about Tot Mom. <laughs> Who invites this lady back every week? Good grief. (laughs) Top mom. (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to segue segue from last week. Look us up on social media. (laughs) Hashtag top mom. Check out uh, Nancy Grace did a video for us on YouTube. That was pretty good. She sent us uh, a little opening for Casey Anthony part two. Um, Necronoma or YouTube.com slash Necronomapod. Check out that video. She did a great job introing the show, I thought. I thought I thought so. By all accounts, Fliver and Haddon Sr. came from well-established families with no issues. Fliver was able to trace her lineage back to the voyage of the Mayflower and had direct descendants who were heroes in the Revolutionary War. Haddon's grandfather on his father's side served as an elected Republican mayor of White Plains, New York. But when these two got together and had kids, it's something about the gene mixture of Fliver and Haddon Sr. just caused them to create a family of monsters besides the daughter, Allison. She's the only one that was normal. I wonder if it's common. Well, I think a lot of the shit we're about to get into with this family probably didn't help the situation. Like a little nurture, a little nature kind of combined in this scenario? I think so. A scenario. Yes. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, of course. Scenario. Hmm. Fancy. <laughs> Meh, I'm just price. wondering if there's certain genes. That, <laughs> <laughs> that was a Patreon joke. No one's going to get. The certain you know gene pools that when pushed together like that create kind of... I, I'm not one off people that I'm have not saying that's that's wrong, but I'm also saying that, the, you know, the, the environment these kids grew up in, like when you're seeing, well, I, you know, get to it. But when yeah. you're seeing that kind of violence, sure. you know, and you're being treated probably poorly, w- would one without the other have had the same effect, I guess. 
or both nature and nurture needed to produce the outcome we're about to talk about. These are things we want you all to ponder as sure. these two yeah. part series. I hadn't seen your work as a scientist helping to develop household items like plastic wrap and fire resistant carpet. The only issue is that he worked as a contractor. So even though he perfected these products, like basically from what I read, invented plastic wrap, like was a very big hand in inventing no plastic wrap. Mm. He didn't see any of the money outside of the contract. And that's no one's fault but his own for signing bad deals, but he was extremely bitter about it. He resorted to drinking heavily, and Fliver was also a heavy alcoholic. This bitterness about work came home with Haddon Sr., and he and Fliver would get into regular drunken physical fights in front of the kids, and it was just, it was a very abusive household in that respect. For whatever reason in these type of families, it seems like one child gets the abuse taken out on them while the others are just witnesses to it. Like the first thing that popped in my mind with that is the Netflix documentary series, uh, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Like that kid, I mean, that's an extreme amount of abuse in that, but that kid got it all poured on him while the other two kids were Mm. just witnesses to it. I I know that story. I can't watch that. There's no way I can watch that. Have you watched that? That's the only thing I've ever watched that I really felt like, I don't know, there's a couple parts in it where I felt like I got that punch in the gut feeling. In this situation, the abuse was all laid on to Haddon, but it wasn't all physical abuse. The physical abuse didn't help later in life for Haddon, but the psychological abuse plays a major role in how he turned out. As far as Haddon Sr. was concerned, he would beat Haddon on the regular, but it was it was a weird beating like when Haddon least expected it. Typically, he would wait while Haddon was taking a shower, and when Haddon got out, he would surprise him and beat him with a belt. And we're going to use this word because it's going to play a huge turning point later on in the story. But his father called him the retard more than he called him by his name, so much so that Haddon thought that it was a part of his real name. Wow, that's rough. Can you imagine? That's some trauma. Oh, yes. Mm. Fliver was all the psychological abuse. Fliver and Haddon Sr. really wanted to have a girl, to the point that when Fliver was pregnant with Haddon, they had a name picked out, Kristen. When Haddon was born, he was a huge disappointment. But Fliver didn't stop wanting a daughter named Kristen. Fliver would get extremely drunk and dress Haddon as a girl down to his underwear and call him Kristen. This was a regular thing, so now he's further losing his identity from Haddon. He already thought the name Retard was a part of his regular name, and now he's referred to as Kristen almost more than he's referred to as Haddon. So you have a dad calling you Retard all the time, and you have a mom calling you Kristen. And dressing you like a girl. Right. Not much of a chance at this point. And the girl, the dressing up like a girl is something that pops up in a lot of uh, bigger serial killers. Like there's something that happens when there's, when there's bad genes, abuse and dressing people, these guys up as girls when they don't want to be dressed up like girls. It shows up in Henry Lee Lucas, Charles Manson, and by family accounts with Ted Bundy. So, like, when you say, like, bad jeans, like, do you recommend people wear Levi's or Wrangler <laughs> or, like, I mean, what do you recommend would be good jeans? Just go to, like, Kohl's and get your generic jeans. What were the big baggy ones everyone wore in the uh, 
the 90s and early Jinko 2000s. jeans? Yeah. Get some of those. Do they still make yeah. those? They've got to. Jenko? I, is that what you I said? I consider Jenko? those yeah. bad mm. jeans. Th- those would be bad jeans. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> I am also, fun fact about me, and uh, again, my job is to derail the story all the time. I am the pickiest jean buyer in the world. Hmm. I will try on 15 pairs before I pick ones that I like. Not that I'm a snob. Good to know. I'm just very, I don't know, I'm picky about what I what I wear. The end. I wear jeans like twice a year because I don't go anywhere. Yeah, I, I also don't wear them all the time, especially yeah. with fucking, you know, with the pandemic. Like, you know, no one's going anywhere. Been wearing out my sweatpants. But I have two pairs of jeans, and I think I've had those same two pair for at least six years now. Wow, look at you. Yeah. The end. What was the what was the Dre lyric? I've been in the rap writing rap tunes back since the honeys was wearing Sassoon. <laughs> Sassoon jeans Is in that, the 80s. All right. Well, if the honeys were wearing them, though, they might have looked all right. They might have looked like Gusta. <laughs> That's from uh, California Love. Back since the honeys the was wearing Sassoon. <laughs> all right. So we've established good jeans and bad jeans. Got it. <laughs> Some of them make you a serial killer. Don't wear Jenko. This whole Kristen thing also had a lasting impact on Haddon to this day. Kristen became this sort of alter ego for him. When he put on women's clothing, he became Kristen Bluefin. And Kristen has a mind of her own, or so Haddon claims. Probably an OnlyFans account, too, huh? He's he's not Haddon anymore when he puts on women's clothes. He's now Kristen Bluefin. Mm. It's a cool name. Yeah, it's not. Makes me think of sushi. Bluefin. Why you got to bring up food? Now I'm fucking (laughs) be thinking about sushi the next two hours of the show. Uh, Ian, you just had sushi this week. I did. You might have overindulged a little bit. I felt like I was going to die after (laughs) how much I ate. (laughs) How did he die? Oh, dude, on sushi. (laughs) The only positivity hadn't gotten life was his teddy bear. When he was taken to a Baptist church or when he went to visit his grandparents, because like we said, the rest of the family on the mother's and father's side were perfectly normal. As far as church went to show his enthusiasm, Haddon would sing church songs as loud as he could and at a super high pitched range. And this is something that he still does to this day, just sings these songs at the top of his lungs. (laughs) We should hire this guy to sing the Bible Babble theme song, maybe. There you go. Probably do a good job at yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get him on uh, Cameo. <laughs> According to Fliver, Haddon had mild brain damage due to the doctor using forceps too hard while pulling Haddon out during birth. It's not clear if this is true or not, but Haddon did have some significant cognitive issues. As a child, he was very behind in saying full sentences, like significantly behind. We're talking like first, second grade forming what? sentences. Mike and I are usually significantly behind in forming full <laughs> sentences by the end of the show. So I, I know how he feels. Anyone who listens to me try to read the Patreon uh, shout outs, you would understand I can't even get two words out. Sliver and Haddon Sr. took him to some specialists, but didn't truly follow up on getting him help. Haddon also couldn't walk on pattern carpet. There was something about patterns that threw off his brain, like almost like a vertigo kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. He would trip and fall if he tried walking on something that had patterns, like he just completely lost balance. Instead of trying to get him help, figure out why patterns, you know, what was wrong here, Fliver would just wrap his head in a layer of bubble wrap and send him out in the world. Yeah, you're setting him up for success. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've never heard of the pattern thing. That's interesting. So I, this is not quite related because I was pretty intoxicated. But you ever try walking down a hotel hallway where it's got those funky patterns on the floor, the carpet, when you're yeah. shit-faced? <laughs> I am literally a ping pong ball off the walls. <laughs> that carpet mixed with the alcohol yeah. fucks me up. Interesting. It's rough because it's a narrow hallway, right? And you're you're if you're shit bombed, and then the, the carpet's always you know it's hotel carpet. Oh, it messes with me. I don't know why I, I look at it. I should just look up, but I don't. I suspect you'd be doing the same thing if there was no pattern on the carpet. That would that would be my guess. I don't know. It's the, but. <laughs> The, the carpet <laughs> just adds to it. It okay. just makes it makes you dizzy. Like, I don't I can't explain it. Hmm. But no, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, probably be falling a little bit, but I don't know. I'm a ping pong ball when it's that carpet. Between the bubble wrap being wrapped around his head and not being able to form sentences, this made Haddon easy for bullies. But it wasn't just a bully situation for Haddon. Haddon was just generally violent towards kids, and most of them were scared of him. As for his two brothers, they were just complete heathens. Like, remember back in our Joseph Callinger episode, how yes, all of, of his kids were like, <laughs> all his kids were just mini criminals. Oh, like, yeah. well, he, he encouraged it, but <laughs> was Callinger the one that committed the crimes with his kids? Yeah. 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 Like he would take them out trivia. specifically to, to do that with them. That's right. Uh, this was exactly the situation with the Clark brothers. They were all just absolute terrors to deal with. But when Haddon was bullied, which was often, he realized that revenge was the best thing to make him feel better. And this is something that's going to carry well on to this story. If someone bullied him, he would kidnap their pet, like a dog or cat. He would kill it. And then a couple of days later, leave it on their front porch. Yikes. We just pissed off a lot of listeners with that comment. That's pretty deep on the revenge there. As a kid, going to that level of revenge, yeah. 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 Oddly, because, you know, I mean, we talk about with serial killers a lot, you know, and a lot of them kill animals as a child. Um, but aside from the revenge stuff, Haddon was relatively good with other animals. He would catch random animals like skunks and turtles and built almost like this mini zoo. Like, the turnover rate for survival wasn't great for these animals, but he still tried to take care of them. Like he wasn't purposely killing them. The, his favorite animal that he caught was a baby raccoon and it was, he found a hurt one and nursed it back to health. And when it got healthy, he would take this raccoon around town with him. And when he rode his bike, he'd have this raccoon hanging off his shoulder <laughs> or like the back of his neck. <laughs> like uh, Ian going up to Speedway gas station to get uh, fucking smokes. <laughs> with his, know, little, I thought of his little infatuation <laughs> with all his raccoon pals. He sees at the dumpster every every night at two thirty in the morning. I know. I thought about it. I was like, I'm like, I could just pull up the speedway and say, hey, pal, jump on my shoulder real quick. Let's go inside and get warm for a minute. Yeah, you can buy him like a like a like a Slim Jim or something just to feed his belly. It's cold winter nights, man. Like I'm just saying, if the apocalypse came, apocalypse, if the apocalypse came, if the apocalypse came, Armageddon, Ian rolls up with a, a, a army of raccoons. You're not fucking with them. <laughs> Who's going to fuck, fuck with him? Right. No, you're not. I'm just saying that might be the way to go. He might have us all outsmarted here. That's one thing. I, w I will never fuck around with a raccoon. No, those things are mm -mm. terrifying little fucks. Mm -mm. There was one night I forgot to take out a bag of garbage. So it was like really late and I went out to, to go do it. And there was two already at 
at my garbage like all and they were all angry with each other about who's getting what and i'm like (laughs) i'm like you know you guys fight it out i'm gonna wait for this bag till next week (laughs) this is all you guys i'm fucking out i don't need this shit (laughs) yikes Haddon also didn't do well in school. The family moved a lot due to Haddon Sr. taking on those contract jobs. So Haddon went from public schools to private schools, and he was held back a few times. So he ended up not graduating high school until he was 20 years old. Like how Jerry Bruto started stealing women's shoes in his teenage years, Haddon started doing similar things. His first escalation was when a woman in their neighborhood hired him to cut their grass. She went out to the store, while he was cutting it, and she came home to find Haddon in her bedroom wearing her nightgown. Haddon also started to steal his mother's lingerie to wear and his sister Allison's dolls. Well, when you're a little kid and your mom calls you Kristen and dresses you up in girls' panties and clothes, you know, I feel like this at the very least might be what you do. And what do you tell the neighbor when she comes home and you're standing in her bedroom wearing her nightgown? Are you just like, you got me. I don't know. You look like a raccoon, <laughs> like in the headlights. Like, uh-oh, scurry away. Do you go back out and finish the lawn at that point? Yeah, right. Like, what are you done? What do you do? Like, you just go home? You're like, all right, you can, this is a gratis job if you don't mention them, anyone about <laughs> the nightgown. At 20 years old, when Haddon graduated high school, he found something that he was good at and loved to do, which was cooking food. Hey, just like Mike, have you ever had his pizza roll recipe? It's perfection, Ian. I, yeah. Fun yeah. fact, I make the best chili dogs and the best pizza rolls. There you go. I can also make a dynamite Hot Pocket. I know you're not a fan, Dave, but I'll, I'll make you one one day. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I also can pick up a mean takeout. I'm the best in the business at picking up takeout. That you are. Yeah. That you are. Nobody better. You know what I do sometimes when I order pizza? This, this is for real. Turn on the heated seats when you put the pizza on it. Keeps Smart. it warm. Keeps it warm the Smart. whole way home. There you go. I just blew people's minds. Or they're like, hey, fucko, <laughs> everyone does that. You're a piece of shit. Shut up and let Ian tell the story. Using their connections and considerable wealth, Fliver pulled off getting Haddon accepted into the Culinary Institute of America. This is one of the top culinary schools in the world. I was when I was looking into it, I was just taking a look at who graduated from there. And the ones that popped out to me were Anthony Bourdain and the hometown hero of ours, Michael Simon. There you go. Fun fact, and Michael I, Simon went to the same high school as Mike and I. Boom. Oh, yeah. How about that? I think he graduated in between us. I'm not making a joke. I'm talking for real. Uh, you no, know, he graduated before I did. Oh, did he? Yeah, I think okay. so. And uh, Anthony Bourdain. Maybe the coolest human being that's ever lived. I agree. I thought he was a cool motherfucker. That guy. He did everything. Yeah. Yep. Way cool. I didn't know a lot about him till after he passed away. I didn't watch his show or anything. I wish I would have. And oh, there's yeah. still reruns I, I on, but to. like that guy, so cultured. Mm-hmm. He knew his food. He knew drink. He fucking wrote books. Traveled the world. Had an awesome salt and pepper hair. Mm-hmm. What a cool guy. Yep. Yeah, I love watching a show. You just oh yeah, me too. Go eat some awesome food, smoke a bunch of cigarettes, yeah. and drink, and just travel the country and like learn about yeah. cultures and hang out with people. And goddamn, the coolest, like a modern day Renaissance man. We'll pour one out to him tonight. We got the extra beer tonight. We can afford to pour one out. We can. So you got you got Michael Simon, uh, uh, you know, well respected chef. Do people know who Michael Simon are? I That's, know he's famous in Cleveland, but I don't know. 
he was on some of those like the would you say the Iron Chef? He's the Iron shows. Chef, yeah. He's been on like yeah. I guess Food a lot Network. of people know who he is. Yeah. Michael Simon. Anyways, look him up. S Y M O N. Um, he's got a few restaurants around the Cleveland area. Probably other places too. I'm not even sure. He's no Anthony Bourdain, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, when I was looking at the alumni, like it's it was a list of the notable alumni from there. There were faces that I recognized off of TV. I just never knew their names, but there was yeah. a, a good chunk of very well-known chefs came out of that school. So it's Anthony Bourdain, Michael Simon, and Haddon Clark. <laughs> there you go. The Mount Rushmore of uh, the Culinary Institute of America. <laughs> Haddon actually did really well with schooling, and he had a real talent for decorative ice sculptures. The only incident that is known from his time there was someone made Haddon angry, so he pissed in a big pot of mashed potatoes. <laughs> who has? Who among us has not done that? <laughs> also, while at culinary school, Haddon became oddly obsessed with knives, and he would keep his collection in a toolbox in his truck and take them everywhere. I guess as a chef, though, you can get away with that, right? Tools of the trade. Yeah. I think Haddon took it to a little. Oh, I'm sure. I just mean like level. Yeah. Haddon graduated, and because he went to such a prestigious school, he never had issues finding jobs at restaurants. He only had an issue with keeping jobs. Between 1974 and 1982, Haddon was fired from 14 different cooking jobs, but it was never for his cooking abilities. It was always weird shit, like drinking cow's blood in front of people in the kitchen, like just doing really odd shit. Who's never drank cow's blood in front of people? I'm not talking just drink, like taking a sip of cow's blood, like straight up chugging cow's blood. Well, first of all, Ian, I was kidding. It's all weird. No, I know. I'm just saying like, like very, very odd mm. behavior. Yeah. I've never worked in the food industry. Is that frowned upon? Chugging cow's blood? My, it's normal. My know. knowledge of the food industry comes from the movie Waiting, and I will never disrespect my server ever, ever, ever. I will. I don't send anything back. Not that I usually have issues, but you just you don't do it. And I'm very polite. I try to tip well. Yep. Just be a good person because Waiting is the most. Waiting might be the the mo, the biggest horror film of all time <laughs> because that shit fucking happens. You know it does. Oh, of course it does. Don't disrespect people who handle your food. It's not smart. Unless you're at fast food and they hand you your fucking dollar bills back before your change. <laughs> and then you fucking jump to the window at them. That's fine. We got to start playing the goat like in waiting at the in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's great, by the way. Fantastic. Yeah. Even though he couldn't hold down a job as a chef through this period of time. He was still getting contract jobs for ice sculptures that made him a ton of money. And like during the 80s, when the Olympics came through in, I think it was in New York, if I remember correctly. 1980 in Lake Placid, USA yeah, hockey team yeah. won gold. So he was commissioned to do ice sculptures for that and got paid a fuck ton of money for it. Who knew that ice sculpting made a ton of cash? When you're the best in the business, though. Yeah. There's a big uh, ice festival in our hometown this weekend here. It's a pretty big deal, apparently. People come from all around to look at the ice sculptures. They made one of my cock. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> they had to scale it down in size a little bit to make it, you know, fit with the others. So it's only about three feet oh. when you go to the festival. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check that out. 
I'm there tomorrow afternoon from noon to two, just signing autographs, taking pictures with people. <laughs> you can't see the real thing, but you can see the ice oh, version. You'll be wearing your gray sweatpants, I assume. Obviously. Sure. Well, what's going to keep you warm in this cold weather? You got to wear gray sweats. <laughs> no underwear, of course. Of course not. Let that armadillo fly free. <laughs> By 1982, Fliver and Haddon Sr. finally had had enough of each other and got divorced. And since Haddon's mental state was getting to the point where he wasn't being able to get hired anymore, he moved in with Fliver. In March of 1982, Fliver caught Haddon stealing money, and without really any argument happening, Haddon attacked her and beat Fliver pretty bad. He was arrested for this, but the charges were dropped. When Haddon came back to live with Fliver, she sent him out back to live in the barn. And this is where stuff with Haddon starts going off the rails a bit more. He had gone back on keeping animals in his zoo thing, like taking care of them. And now he was killing turtles and arranging their shells around in the barn, like around the area where he slept. And he wasn't cleaning out the shells either. He would just let the turtles rot. So it smelled terrible even from the house. Like people... Mm. that lived in the area like what the fuck is that smell i think we have Haddon out there with the turtles i think we have a comment from Haddon about that i like turtles he really likes the turtles (laughs) (laughs) at 29 years old to try and get some structure to his life Haddon joined the u.s navy and was a below deck cook when his shipmates found out he wore women's underwear they beat him up once he was locked in a meat freezer for three hours The Navy tried moving him to new ships, but there were incidents as soon as they found out that he wore women's underwear. Yeah, that's a tough spot. After a final beating where he suffered a concussion from his head being banged against an aircraft carrier deck and having two mental breakdowns off ship, Haddon was given a medical discharge and diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, then moved in with his brother Jeff. What kind of fucked up stuff do you think he did to their food after they beat his ass? Yeah, all Clark. kinds of stuff, right? Like the master of revenge. Yeah, they're beating him up when he's making their dinner that night. Like, that's not smart. No. I don't recommend doing that. We'll be right back. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals? Let's face it. These are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. 
BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Jeff earned a degree in microbiology at Ohio State University. He married his high school sweetheart and moved back to Maryland to work for the Food and Drug Administration. They had three children before the marriage turned ugly and divorce was filed. Jeff was extremely abusive towards his wife and kids, and there were very credible accusations that he molested his children. After the divorce was filed, he had custody of the kids for a bit, but when he got busted for weed, he lost custody and only received partial, and that's when Had moved in with them. Imagine losing custody of your kids for having weed. Credible threats. Credible accusations of that you molest them, but weed's the one that does it. Right. (laughs) Of course, of course it is. Perhaps he was on probation, some kind of strict probation because of the, you know, raping of children and then the wind over the edge. Maybe still not excusable, but I'm just saying maybe it wasn't the only cause of the last straw. You should Google that, Mike. Is doing a weed is doing the weed one time enough to make me lose my kids? Or you should you should Google does doing a weed make you a pedophile? Oh, maybe that's what it is. I think it is, though. I think it's been it's a gateway drug. Linked. Yeah, it's a gateway drug to yeah. pedophilia. Yeah, I've heard that. You too. take a hit of weed. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen. Why don't you have a seat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you brought the weed with you tonight. <laughs> the first murder in this story doesn't come from Haddon, but instead his oldest brother, Bradfield. Wow, that's a plot twist, Ian. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> what? That's I a first. There's something about the genes and yeah. in this family. You Jenko, know. obviously. <laughs> Jenko. I mean, you have we just talked about Jeff. Jeff has a lot of issues, but between the three brothers, you know, you would think in a normal family, someone like Jeff would be like, Oh yeah, he's the real bad one. But then Brad and Bradfield and Hatter Hadden are about to kind of one up each other. Yeah. Then how do you explain the sister though? Like, if, if she got out of Dodge and lived a normal life, like, how do you explain that? Maybe she had less abuse because she was the girl. So we're blaming it more on the abuse, then, is what I'm saying. Like, Maybe. I just feel like it's more the abuse than anything. That's what I lean towards. I think it's some of both sometimes. I think it depends on the situation. I agree. But in a family like this, like, I just don't know how, how three end up to become, like, pieces of shit. And there's just one that's like, oh, nope, I'm going to live a normal life. Yeah, I don't know. But I... It, there's no answers. Yeah. There's just God, Dave. There's just God. Let go <laughs> and let God, Mike. That's what I always say. I can't wait to release that shirt. That's what we talk about on Bible Babble every week, every month. Every Excuse month. me. Let go. Let God. Send in your Bible Babble haikus. <laughs> He's really looking for those haikus, people. <laughs> you could just fucking send them in. We had some good haikus for the show that's coming out soon. Yeah. And I know that they don't even have to be patrons to send them in, right? They just, oh, won't, get to hear them. They just won't get to hear them. You won't hear them on the air. Send them in. Yeah. If you become a $10 tier patron, you can hear them once a month. 
Bradfield was thought of as the good Clark brother, like the one that was going to be most successful. He had two degrees and was extremely successful as a software specialist, capitalizing on the booming computer industry and got a job at a company called Timeshare. And, you know, he's like, you know, like that stereotypical 80s guy, like Wall Street guy with the suspenders. Mm -hmm. Almost like uh, what's his face from um, American Psycho. Yeah. Patrick Patrick Bateman. Bateman, Yeah. That's exactly what he's like. Hmm. My favorite scene in that whole movie is when they're comparing business cards. (laughs) That is the best scene. And he's so upset that, uh, what the fuck? I get their names mixed up. When somebody else has a better mm. business card than him and just fucks with them. The color is bone. <laughs> so great. <laughs> While working at Timeshare, Bradfield started an affair with a married co-worker named Patricia Mack. On July 20th, 1984, Patricia accepted a dinner invite from Bradfield and went to his house. Bradfield grilled lamb outside and then they started drinking heavily. This led to them making out. And when Patricia took off her shirt, Bradfield started to bite her breast. She told him to stop because she didn't want her husband to see any marks, but Bradfield didn't stop. So Patricia slapped him in retaliation. Bradfield punched her in the face and then bit her nipple off completely. Oh, all right. That's enough nipple talk. Moving on. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. All right. I'm pinching Mike's nipples right now. He's not loving it. <laughs> Fuck that, Pally. I'm not going to get in. It's COVID, man. We're six feet apart. I'm six feet away from my nipples at all times. A lot of angry drunks out there. Like, I am the happiest of drunks. I don't get these people that drink and just get so angry. That's not fun. But, I mean, was he angry initially or was he just into something really rough and then hurt her mm. and then she hit him and then he got pissed? Like, I'm not saying I'm excusing what he's doing. Like, no, you don't do that. When she's telling you stop, you stop. Bradfield then bashed her head against cinder blocks that he used as bookshelves and strangled her unconscious. Then he went for a walk around his neighborhood and smoked a couple cigarettes, leaving Patricia unconscious and severely bleeding on his floor. Can I just point out that Patrick Bateman would never have used cinder blocks for bookshelves. He had way too much class for any sort of setup like that. That is very, very true. true. <laughs> Unless it was like some trendy thing made of cinder. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> also true. When Bradfield got back, Patricia had pretty much bled out. So he dragged her to the bathroom and then cut off her breast. He went outside and cooked her breast on the grill that he just made the lamb on and ate it. Patricia died at this point, but Bradfield continued by pouring lighter fluid on her genitals and lighting them on fire. What the fuck is this all about? This isn't even the guy we're talking about tonight. Yeah, this is not even who the, the subject. This isn't who the subject is. <laughs> like, so criminal passion, you know, you're under the influence, situation gets out of hand. Sure. But you don't normally then go cook her, right? It like, there has little... to be something bubbling up from just under the surface there that... All got let go this night. I feel like every stage takes a step. Like, I don't want you playing with my biting my nipple. Okay, now I'm going to bite it off. Yeah. Now I'm going to hit you. Now you're going to bang my skull against cinder blocks. And then from there, now I'm going to cut your tit off. Now that you're bleeding to death, I'm going to cook it. Yeah. And I'm going to eat it. It's wild. Like each stage, it just like escalates and escalates. But all in one night with one person. Of course. Very unusual, I think. Weird. I mean, in the typical story of a serial killer, this seems like the ramp up period. Yeah. Like this almost makes you think that this isn't Bradfield's first time doing something like this. Yeah. You don't, you're not eating your first victim. That was a crime of passion, you know, 
Right. Like, where the fuck did like this that. come from? Yeah. Imagine, like, this show isn't even about Bradfield. This is just yeah. a side note, like, to the story. How often does that happen? Yeah. After he was done, Bradfield put Patricia in his bathtub and dismembered her body into 11 parts, then put them into black garbage bags. Then the next night, it seemed like Bradfield was about to do it again. The following night, he had two women come over that were interested in dating him. Uh, I'm not completely clear how they didn't smell a dead body because Patricia's body was still there. But they did notice the blood stains, and Bradfield told them that it was from a bottle of red wine he spilled. And they just went along with it. Bradfield then started cooking dinner for them, but had to stop because he got sick and went to the bathroom and was loudly vomiting. And after a while of sitting there, the women were like, okay, we're leaving. Like, it's just like yeah. uncomfortable Good throwing call. up, like really loud. <laughs> so Bradfield came out and put the bags containing Patricia's body in the trunk of his car. So was it like a double date with him and two girls? Like he was going to date both of them? It's like something. Tinder That's what it sounded two? like. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like I said, he was like this real, like that 80s successful guy, yeah, you know? Yeah. Pretty sure Patrick Bateman had a night like that as well, Dave. Two women. Yeah, it's true. Don't just look at it. Eat it. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he's chasing you down the hall with an axe. <laughs> Pretty soon the police came to Bradfield's door because Patricia had told co-workers that she was going to his house for dinner. But Bradfield said she never showed up. The police left, but Bradfield still panicked and tried to commit suicide by stabbing himself. He passed out from blood loss, but when he woke up, he called 911. At the hospital, police showed back up and like, hey, we want to talk about Patricia a little more. Because now, like, they go talk to this guy, and then he tries to kill himself right after. Yeah. And Bradfield just fully admitted what he had done and told police that her body was in the trunk of his car. And about that whole situation, Bradfield said, quote, it's definitely the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> there, okay. There, there you go. It's <laughs> one way to put it, Pally. <laughs> I believe is Back, Brad, Bradfield still alive today in prison. Yeah. And like I said, that, that, that whole scenario, that's scenario, like, please. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the ramp up period. That almost sounds like a serial killer's last go of it, you know, mm -hmm. where everything comes together and they just really go off the rails in their final couple murders. It's a good point. It does not sound like a guy that's never killed someone before. Not at all. Getting back to Haddon living with his brother, Jeff, Jeff said that Haddon was bad when he left for the Navy, like his mental state, but now he was worse and they kind of attribute it maybe to the, the trauma of being beat up all the time. Well, and having your head pounded in probably doesn't help either. Yeah. And the, yeah, some brain, you know, some head injuries regarding that. But he said it was like he was at the maturity of an eight year old because of this hadn't really got along with Jeff's kids. And when they came to visit and the neighborhood kids, like stories of hadn't chasing other kids away from the playground. So Jeff's kids could have it to themselves and, Haddon would drive them around and stuff like oh, it sounds like a nice uncle Haddon clearing the pl playground <laughs> for me I don't know I don't hate that as a kid no of yeah. course things were good for a while with this setup but for whatever reason Haddon decided to masturbate in front of the kids so Jeff told him he had to move out yeah that would do it well yeah I actually Ian I read it wasn't it was uh, likely that it wasn't his fault it seems like he was having a medical issue it seems oh, yeah? he may have been having a stroke 
gosh. Oh, boy. It's just what I read. It was possible. That's like an inappropriate <laughs> dad joke. It was another one where I was confused if if you were really going to give me some good information or if it was going to be something like oh, that. Sitting across the table from Dave, I knew it was a joke because he had this grin on his face from ear to ear the entire time he was telling it. Even though Haddon masturbated in front of the kids, Jeff asked him to go pick up his six-year-old daughter, Elisa, from school. Oh, well, sure. I mean, why not? Naturally. <laughs> Is that Elisa or Eliza? Elisa, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Okay. When Haddon got there, Elisa said she didn't know who he was. So the school called Jeff. When Jeff got there, he told the school, don't worry about it. Haddon is just Elisa's retarded uncle. Elisa heard her dad call Haddon a retard. So she started doing it too. This made something click in Haddon's brain back to his revenge thing. He used to do to kids, pets that bullied him. And he was going to get revenge against Elisa for bringing back the nickname Haddon Sr. had given him. Yeah, because by this point, he hadn't been around his dad, right? So that name probably trailed off. I could see how it could bring it back. No, and I'm saying you have that trauma that's very deep. And then now your brother calls you that and it just like comes to the surface again. Now you got to deal with all that shit. You've already been struggling with like the Kristen thing with your mom. Oh, yeah. It's weird. He doesn't. Well, obviously, I mean, he's. He's schizophrenic, so that adds a whole different layer to it. But he doesn't blame Jeff for this. He he blames Elisa for it, and he's going to get revenge against her. About a week after this, Jeff and his kids weren't home, but Jeff gave Haddon access to the house to get all of his stuff. Haddon was still just as angry at Elisa and trying to figure out how to get revenge against her when Elisa's six-year-old friend Michelle Dorr walked up looking for her. In that moment, Haddon decided this was the way he was going to get revenge. Oh, man. He watched Michelle walk into the house looking for Elisa, and when she was out of sight, he walked around to the back of his truck and pulled out his toolbox of knives. He grabbed a 12-inch long chef's knife and walked back into the house and upstairs. Without any warning, any sound, anything, Haddon threw Michelle to the floor and slashed from right to left across her chest, then went back a second time the other way, almost like Zorro making a Z sign. Ugh. He got on top of her, putting his free hand over her mouth, but she bit back real hard, like really bit his hand. This made Haddon very angry, and he just stuck the 12-inch knife straight into her throat. The blood was shooting all over the wooden floor of the bedroom and was leaking down into the lower level. And according to Haddon, he attempted to have sex with the girl's dead body, but when that wasn't working, he moved on to cleaning it up. He got a bunch of trash bags and cleaned up this extremely bloody scene like nothing ever happened. And this is why a lot of law enforcement believe this wasn't his first victim, because the cleanup was so good, and the attempt at having sex with a dead body would seem to be an escalation or something that he had done in the past. That makes sense. You would think there'd be just some degree of panic if this was your your first time doing it, not... And a child, no less. Yeah. He had killed animals. Yeah. So he did have something, but to be able to clean it up that well, no panic, and then want to have sex. Just like his brother, instant escalation. After cleaning, Haddon threw the body and the bags in the back of his truck, 
because he had to be at his chef's job at the nearby Chevy Chase Country Club in 20 minutes. After Haddon finished his shift at the country club, he stopped off at a nearby hospital to get his hand fixed from where Michelle had bitten him. When he left the hospital, it was nearly midnight. How do you explain that one? Like the big bite marks at the hospital. Yeah, right. I was thinking yeah. that too. Like, what do you say? Who bit, oh, like, who oh, bit my, you? My, my sister bit me <laughs> yeah, right, or, right. you know, a dog bit dog me. I mean, they're going to know if it's a dog bite probably, but yeah. I don't know. Or do you think that at this time they were just like, whatever, like these people come in all the time, just clean them up and get them the fuck yeah, out of here. Probably. And also there's a group of people out Could there. Could say bit himself too, like self-harm. That's true. A group of country club people out there who had their meals cooked by this guy that one night while... You know, the garbage bags of the body were outside in his truck. Yeah. It's and kind of probably weird. blood dripping from his hand. Yeah, it's kind of weird. In all fairness, that might have been the best of meals that people he served that they got. <laughs> like, it's only just blood. So you're all right, <laughs> folks. Gross, man. Most people probably would never go out to eat again if they knew what went on in a kitchen, right? Watch waiting. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is the best cautionary tale of all time. Do not fuck with people that handle your food. It's only common sense. And at the same time, like, you gotta, you know, be smart. These people deal with piece of shit human beings every single day. Of course, they're going to be a little bitter. They're going to be a little angry. They might be having a bad day. They're making fucking piss money while they're serving you and your fat ass while you order extra (laughs) sauce with your chicken tenders. Like, I've never been a server or worked in the food industry, but I get it. Like, people suck. And now when they think you're serving them, you're like, you're, you, they, you owe them something. They treat you like more like pieces of shit. Yeah. Ugh. I would have a hard time with that. Cause the first asshole that didn't tip, right. like I would punch him right in the fucking head. But you, I mean, you lose your job then. And well, yeah. if, if you need this job, that's why right. you go back in the kitchen, <laughs> you tell fucking Dane cook and he puts his taint hair <laughs> in their food <laughs> or whatever it is. He spits like, you know. Just watch the fucking movie, people. You got to watch the, like, don't watch it on TV. Watch the unrated or, you know, the the full uncut version because it's, whew. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them, though. Like, I'd be, I'd hate life, too. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest jobs there is. Haddon drove towards Baltimore, and when he saw some woods, he pulled over to the shoulder of the road and stopped. He grabbed the duffel bag that Michelle's body was in a flashlight and a shovel from the back of the truck and headed into the woods at the base of a tree. He dug a grave that was four feet long. He took Michelle from the duffel bag. And as he was putting her in the grave, hadn't got the urge to drink her blood. However, he did it. It's not completely clear, but he said he drank blood from Michelle before burying her. After she was buried, he got back in his truck and drove to the apartment that he had just recently rented. Oh, come on, man. It's like a fucking vampire out there in the woods. Fuck. Yeah, this is where he gets his name, his nickname, the cross-dressing cannibal. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Like, imagine just taking a body part. It's a great band name, though, right? Vampire Cro- cannibal? No, the cross-dressing cannibal. Cross-dressing cannibal. <laughs> Not to make light of this situation, but just as a general name, hmm. the cross-dressing cannibals, the CDCs. <laughs> it's not bad. Just like a body that's been laying in the in your truck all day, and then yeah. yeah, and it just takes it up a whole level when you're talking about a six year old child yeah, too. I mean, my you God. know, being able to do any of this stuff. Yeah, sure. When it came to the investigation into the disappearance of Michelle Dore, her father Carl was the last one to see her. Around noon that day, he set up an inflatable pool for Michelle to play in and started watching NASCAR. 
No jokes. Move on with the story. (laughs) Carl sat there watching NASCAR all day and didn't check on Michelle until around 5.30 p.m. when he walked over to Jeff's to see if she was there. Jeff hadn't seen her, so Carl walked around knocking on neighbors' doors. And now panicking, he went to the police and reported her as missing. Ian, fucking NASCAR fans, am I right? (laughs) Jesus Christ, come on. Just getting hypnotized by watching them go round and round. First of all, there's no such thing as as hypnotism. Left turn. Second of all, some NASCAR fans can be responsible. (laughs) They're like the state publicly that Carl Doerr is not a reflection of NASCAR, its sport, its fans, or its population. All these left turns, I can't look away. It's so exciting. Very well could have been on a road course that day, pal. You don't know. Sometimes they do rights. Carl Doerr quickly became the prime You couldn't just suspect. say that he was watching a race that day, Ian. You had to put in NASCAR. You could just say he was watching a race. I'm just stating the facts. Just saying a race is also a fact. You could have just said he was watching a race. He was watching motorsports. But it was specifically a NASCAR race. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> so he, he became a prime suspect. and He was going through a nasty divorce. And his soon-to-be ex-wife told police that he was trying to get out of paying her $400 a month in child support. And just before this happened, they had a really bad argument where Carl threatened to kidnap Michelle. Like a... I don't know. You're not going to take my kid away from me kind of thing. Yeah, that's not great. No. Carl took a lie detector test and passed. Then he took a second lie detector test and passed. And he passed these easily. In an attempt to prove his innocence, he underwent hypnosis and took sodium pentothal, which is truth serum. But none of this convinced police. Mm. He should have told police he was watching a Formula One race, and then he would have known he was a high-class race car fan, not NASCAR. <laughs> I love, how, believed, I love how whenever <laughs> hypnotism and lie detectors don't go the way police want, they're like, oh, we don't accept yeah. this. But when you fail, I'm like, <laughs> motherfucker, we got you. We got you. You fail the lie detector. That's exactly. You right. told us under hypnosis you did it. <laughs> you know, it's just they use it. It's that's ridiculous. Got Formula One. He's sitting there drinking his fancy champagne launching. <laughs> In truth, Carl only lied to the police about the last time he had seen Michelle because he was absolutely ashamed of himself for neglecting to check on his daughter in the backyard. He didn't want to admit the police that the last time he saw her was noon. So he told them to 10 PM. And in all fairness, that it's fucking ridiculous of Carl. You're not going to check on your daughter for five and a half hours. She's it's, six years old. I'd be checking on her still every half hour. Just every five minutes. If she's out in the pool. I mean, come on. Well, but it was like an inflatable, like blow up thing. Like, guess, you know, I'm thinking, come on. But yeah, you'd be checking on her all the time. Not fucking five and a half hours going by. What NASCAR race starts at noon anyway? They used to. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. I wish. Mm. So that's actually, Dave, a hot, sensitive subject in the NASCAR. Really? Because the networks want them all to start at three o'clock now because they get that West Coast thing. The Mm. traditional NASCAR fans want them back at that noon one o'clock start. Mm. Yeah. I would have thought a hot topic in the community would be. Whether fucking your first cousin is legal in no. all 50 we states. We got rid of all those fans. Oh, yeah. okay. Haven't you smartened up last year with, uh, you know, Bubba Walson? NASCAR's woke now. Well, NASCAR's it's a little woke. woke. It, it's getting there. Big improvements. They banned the Confederate flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got Michael Jordan now as a car owner. I saw that. Pitbull yeah, yeah. is now a car owner. I saw Pitbull. Yeah. They're getting there. It's progress from those good old boy days. I like At it. the very least. 
good for them. They're trying. I agree with you guys on Carl. Like Carl, like I would never do that with my like I'm. I would be out there checking all the time, you know. Or, or I, I actually, I probably wouldn't even just go watch TV while. Yeah, you, you go sit. In, in the it's back perfect yard. time to go sit in the yard and drink some beers yeah. and just hang out right. with your keyboard. Get an watch extension cord, Carl. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Put on the radio. Yeah. Like it's the same thing. In the end, they are going in circles. Yeah. You can listen to it on the radio. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's still exciting and fun. Like you, you can listen to it as well. Yeah, I think you can get a pretty good visualization of cars turning left. Based well, on the, the radio feed. I'm not trying to minimize what they're doing. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I too have listened to the NASCAR races on the radio. Sure. You get the same effect. You can go out in your front yard, drink some beers, and make sure your kid doesn't die. Pretty simple. Agree. Simple Sunday. And everyone wins. Except the 42 other cars that lose. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, I don't want to make any excuses for Carl. Because that's just not... It's just ridiculous to do. But, I mean, this completely destroyed him. You know, the police never let up on him. You know, we're going to get into, you know, their next steps in this investigation. But they didn't let up on him for years. And he had a a complete mental break and ended up hospitalized for a very long time. I mean, he generally regrets. It seemed like it was the worst decision he ever made in his life. Kind of, you know. Yeah. It's just, I don't know how you sit there for five hours and not check on your kid. But he fucked up. And it was terrible. He didn't intentionally do it, but he made a mistake. Even though police were focusing heavy on Carl Doerr, they were asking around the neighborhood for any other potential clues. This led them to the, quote, local weirdo, Haddon Clark. Haddon said that he was in the area that day to feed his brother's rabbits that he raised out in the backyard. He said that he had punched in his time clock at the country club where he worked at 2.46 p.m. that afternoon. And police figured if Carl Doerr said he had last seen his daughter at 2.10 p.m., then Haddon couldn't have found, abducted, or killed someone and hit a body within 36 minutes. But they kept questioning him, asking Haddon about the rabbits and that, you know, were being raised behind his brother's house and his life before moving in with his brother. So, Ian, in other words, it was a hair-raising tale. (laughs) (laughs) You're on it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like to think of Dave like sitting back reading these notes, writing these jokes, laughing to himself, thinking like, oh yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> they gradually began asking him about the children in the neighborhood because, you know, we said he, he played with the kid. Like he was kind of like one of the neighborhood kids and hadn't randomly told them a story about how one time when he was playing with the kids, one of his nephews kicked him in the balls. And to get his nephew back, Haddon didn't do anything to his nephew. Instead, he held down one of the neighborhood girls with his full body weight until they screamed to let her up. Like this weird revenge thing against, don't do it against the person that did it to you. Do it towards someone that they would feel, you know, emotionally Mm -hmm. hurt them. Police jumped on this story and asked if this is what Haddon did to Michelle. Police pulled out a photo of Michelle and Haddon began rocking back and forth in his chair and wouldn't look at the picture. Haddon then said he was sick and asked to use the bathroom. When he went in the bathroom, he started loudly vomiting, kind of like Bradfield. Family trait, yeah. (laughs) And police came in and started yelling into the stall, what did you do? Just like screaming at him while he's puking. This went on for a bit, but in between the throwing up, Haddon said, quote, 
I don't remember. I may have done something. Sometimes I black out and do things I don't remember. Well, that's, <laughs> now we're on to something. On the police, <laughs> yeah, I'm, saliv- kind of some I'm sort salivating. Of yeah. Yeah, I'm salivating a little bit now from the police. Haddon was able to regroup and and collect himself and stuck to the story he gave police about the time he punched in for work. And the thing about that is, is that's accurate. He wasn't lying. He really did punch in that time at work. So the police knew there was something really off about him, but his alibi was solid. And according to Carl Dorr at this time, he had last seen Michelle at 2.10 p.m. So they let Haddon go. Which was, again, two hours actually later than when he actually last saw his daughter. So he facilitated his alibi and getting him on to... Unintentionally, though. Unintentionally. And that's where we will pick back up on part two. This is quite the interesting story. It is. The the brother? It was just like a... Bizarro. It was like the longest side note we ever went on, but it was just like an awesome, crazy... (laughs) Not awesome, but a crazy story. Yeah. And part two, we'll get into Haddon becoming the Rockville Rocket. His his persona as a local character <laughs> in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, his last confirmed murder. Him meeting Jesus in prison. And his claimed murders. Okay. Action-packed show next week. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of wrap-ups, so I'm going to uh, just jump right in. Ian, you got anything else left to say about uh, part one and Haddon Clark? He's one of the most interesting killers I've researched so far. I mean, sure, we'll wrap up more on part two, but there, there's something about the whole revenge thing. It's very odd. I can't. It's mm-hmm, different than any. most of them. Like they have like a sexual fetish towards it or, you know, just some. It's weird that it's like revenge, but in a weird way where it's like not directed at the person. Like they're not actually going at the person that they want to hurt. They're trying to get someone close to them or a person or a pet close to them. Like, especially this last one with um, how he's going to get it back against Elisa for bringing back his old nickname. It's like, I'm sure in his head, that revenge made sense to him. Like, she'll, she'll, this will get back. This will get her back. Like, she'll understand what I did here. But no one understand, would understand right. why he did that, you know? Or maybe he has a sense of he can't actually harm someone in his own family. This is the next best thing. But and he was like doing almost, this as a kid, though, right? Like, people who would bully him, he'd go kill their pets. Yeah. It's just weird how he sees it that way. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to go get something mm. else. It's just it, different. Interesting. It is interesting, for sure. Dave, you got any final thoughts on part one? I'm going to reserve judgment for part two at the end. And, okay. Uh, yes. It is. It's, this is a fascinating story. It is. And different, like we, said, like we said at the top. And like Ian said, it's not like most serial killers. Usually by now we have, what? 10, 12, 13 deaths under our belts in part yeah, one. Yeah. He has one and his brother has one. Yeah. Literally, there is someone else in the story who has just as many kills as the topic. It's a bit unusual for the stories. Not not counting, uh, obviously, the turtles. I like turtles. Well, who doesn't <laughs> like turtles. turtles? Who doesn't like them? A lot of turtles. I feel like I <laughs> underestimated the turtles. when I, like We're talking a fuck ton of turtles. It's not, not just a couple of turtles. He had them surrounding his bed. Well, it was kind of harebrained of you, don't you think, Ian, when you were writing the outline? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the... <laughs> uh, Dave, can you play that clip again, though? Of uh, I like turtles. Exact quote we got from him. Yeah, that's yeah. what he said. He, like sent us a, he sent us a quote. It's very kind of him. Okay. All right. A uh, couple shout outs. We've got a, quite a bit of uh, wrap up here. 
first of all, shout out to uh, Rivalry Brewing beer distribution company in our hometown of Medina, Ohio, that uh, got in touch with us and sent us some delicious local beers. Shout out to Adam and the guys over there. Very kind of them. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Good stuff. Yeah. I think we'll be in touch with them moving forward. I think I had a Kolsch the other night. It was uh, quite tasty. Yeah. You like your Kolsches. I do like the Kolsch. Yeah. They sent some IPAs, some Kolsches, and all kinds of good stuff. But So thank you to uh, Rivalry Brewing. We appreciate that. Hometown Ad- hometown heroes. Yeah, Adam personally delivered that, right? I believe so. He heard me yelling at my kids. <laughs> my my dog was barking all crazy, and I'm yelling at my kids to stop screaming. Shut the fuck up. Who's on my front porch? What are you doing? I didn't order any beer. Goddamn. Rough, Shut up! Rough night over there at the uh, Ian Namapod compound. <laughs> He probably he probably delivered that thinking what the fuck because <laughs> both both of my kids are screaming the dogs barking. <laughs> that is fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to Hannah who sent us a badass uh, Loveland, Ohio, home of the Frogmen flag that's going to be going up in our, one of our studios. That thing is fucking cool as hell. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm going to claim that. Yeah. I'll get it over to you and uh, put it up in the studio. That'll be uh, awesome. But thank you very much to Hannah for that. Uh, was that a bonus show that we did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's available on Patreon in our archives. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. The Loveland, Ohio Frogman. Uh, also, Ian, you had a pretty big week. Finally, after 13 years, <laughs> Promised Land Episode 1 has dropped. Yeah. Wow. Came out. Yeah. The feedback has been phenomenal. People are loving it. Yeah, I'm it. very happy with it so far. Yeah. Everybody's been pretty nice about it and seemed to like it. So I'm creating a fake uh, iTunes account right now to log in and leave a bad one star review. <laughs> We don't want, we right don't now, I got all I got all fives. Right now, don't fuck it up. <laughs> we can't let his head get too big. Goes, he'll fucking ditch us and go solo on us. Yeah, that's like all the feedback's been awesome. I saw, I saw a couple comments saying that they hope I uh, I don't just ditch out on Necronomapod and do do my own thing. That that that's never going to happen. So <laughs> nobody has to worry about that. I don't think Ian wants to put in all that work to do ten like ten part episodes. I mean, I guess he Absolutely could do single not. episodes by himself. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, I will never do a solo thing again. This is just gonna fucking a pull passion out. project for Jonestown. That's Ozzy it. Osbourne on us and just leave and go do his own thing. And <laughs> Dave and I'll be fucking Black Sabbath here and just find a new lead singer. I guess doing it yourself, it's harder than you think, man. I was, I was struggling a little bit with the coming up with Bible Babble this month. Well, see, like that's it, the problem. You guys both signed up for individual well, solo projects. It sounds easier than it actually is. Why though. the fuck do you think I sit here quietly when it comes time for like, oh, I will sign up for this. <laughs> nope, I won't. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm happy to help and, and co-star on an episode with you guys. I will not be the, uh, All right. the lead, Fair the lead enough. in anything. Fair enough. <laughs> but anyways. But yeah, thanks for everybody to that. Uh, yeah, thanks to everybody that that downloaded it and stuck around and waited 13 years <laughs> for it to drop. I don't know how many episodes it was, it's going to be. I thought 10 or 12, but I have no idea. I'm just going to go till the story's done and we'll see what happens. Well, you know that. what? It's fucking it's a free podcast and so they, if they want to bitch, they can bitch, but it's free. So take it people, enjoy it and learn from it cuz Ian puts a lot of work into it. And you did a great job. 
And also kudos to Dave. Promised Land, the first episode was phenomenal. So you guys both did as much pressure as you put on yourself. You both did a great job with your uh, inaugural episode. What did I do with Promised Land? I'm sorry, with the Bible babble. Oh, I, I, oh okay. Apologies. Sorry, I got too much in my brain. <laughs> also alcohol. <laughs> Um, the first Bible babble was fantastic for those of you ten dollar tier patrons. It was really good, and uh, the first the first uh, Promised Land was really good. So you guys put a lot of pressure on yourselves, but you do well. Thanks, man. You're all right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what Ian says about you when you're in the pee <laughs> when you're on your pee breaks. Probably a lot. He's like this fucking guy. <laughs> Spent all week working on these outlines, and he's peeing fifteen times. <laughs> Fuck this motherfucker. <laughs> So anyways, there's a new Bible babble coming out uh, for the $10 tier patrons before the end of the month, probably this next week. Next couple days. Sure. And there'll be a new promised land next week for everybody. So. Exciting times, friends. Exciting times. Check them out. And the new cooldown show that you talked about at the beginning of the episode. Yep. For every patron, including the $1 tier. So if you're not a patron, sign up. You don't get much for a dollar anymore. This might be the best I mean, dollar point, deal in the history all of uh, dollars. Get, all they're getting is a shout out. Now they're going to get a whole show. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And and the, the show is a sneak peek at what's to come. People want to know what we're doing. I've, people I've demand seen, to know. Mike. I've seen people complaining that they don't know what's coming up. And mostly it's because we don't know what the fuck's coming up. But we're going to try to give you our best <laughs> shout out or the best the best look at what's coming up next. I mean, we change it a lot, right? Well, of course. How many times we Gotta keep it, it real. We're like, well, let's move this. Let's move this. Yeah, it's dynamic. Any hoodles. That's enough of that. Um, a two make goods for names. I fucked up on Patreon or names. I forgot. Uh, shout out to Jenny Riccardi and Cunty McCuntlips. Cunty McCuntlips. I, that is correct. Interesting choice of uh, names, Cunty. I don't think I messed up that name. I think Cunty was very concerned that you left him out and he didn't get his shot out and he really wanted to hear Cunty McCuntlip said on the show. So there it is. Now you've done it. There it is. Cunty McCuntlips. <laughs> uh, Do you that- think prospective employers, when he writes that down, does he get a lot of callbacks? They're like, oh, hello, Cunty. Uh, is Mr. McCuntlips in? I mean, if you're in the porn business, you're calling that number first, right? Like, I want that one. Hello, cunty. We've got a job offer opportunity for you. <laughs> Can you imagine Art Bell? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. What's your name? Cunty McCuntlips? Click. Gone. Art wouldn't fuck around with that. No, he would not like that. No, he'd be upset. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi, this is Cunty McCuntlips. Um, I'm, Clip, a, I'm flying over deal. Area 51 in my homemade plane. <laughs> That's still the best call of all time. Is it not? Is the Area 51 not the best call? When Art's like, oh, sir, I wouldn't do that. He's all like it's, serious. It's definitely like, in the top three. Yeah. You're making a miscalculation. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend you do that, sir. <laughs> That's a, you're making a grave miscalculation. Oh. <laughs> uh, Man, when I can't they, wait to do that. Like <laughs> he goes, they're turning on the spotlights or whatever. He's like, <laughs> or he's like, it's like they got sirens going off there, and Art's like, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like when the call drops off, Art's seriousness. He's like, Oh my, <laughs> I don't know what we. Just I don't heard. know what we heard there. <laughs> In between, like puffs of his Pall Malls, like one twenties, whatever he was smoking. <laughs> Those long ass cigarettes. Yeah, that's why they're one twenties. Virginia Slims, maybe. Virginia Slims. (laughs) All right. Anyways, 
So, Cunty, Jenny, there you go. Uh, if I, I Wait, were you calling Jenny Cunty Jenny, or were you saying Jenny, no. comma, Cunty? Cunty and Jenny, oh, okay. the two shout-outs. Well, grammar counts. I just want to make I sure understand. you weren't calling Jenny a Cunty. No, of course not. I would okay. never. Sorry, Jenny. I just had to clarify. Uh, I also, I mentioned this on the uh, bonus show this past week, but for anyone new patrons, if, because uh, we might get a lot that are signing up with this new bonus show we're giving them with the uh, the, the cool down show. Cool down show. What do we fucking call it? Monthly cool down. Monthly cool down. If I fuck up your name, which I'm very likely to do because I don't see the names. Uh, they're presented to me literally as we're recording live. And then I get fucking shit faced and then I have to read these names. If I mess up your name, DM us on Patreon with the phonetic spelling and I am happy to make it right. Um, He's not happy because he calls you all kinds of names off the air, but he'll do it. I'll probably call you cunty McCunt lips off the air, but <laughs> no, in all fairness, you're paying. It's your right. I should say your name correctly. And if I get it wrong, let me know and I will make it right. I promise you it does not upset me. So do not hesitate if I fuck up your name. I'm saying all of that because I have about 72 names to read because it's been two weeks since we've recorded. I'm not joking when I say I have 72 names. I think he's to not. Read. So, I get, do we go into that now? I guess we do, guess, right? Unless you want to do something else. No, I think that's, this is the part where I read these names. I've got a lot to read here. Hold on. Let me pull them up. Okay. Oh, boy. Bear with me. Swig of uh, beer. <laughs> uh, Bob Jones. Oh, no, Mike, that's Bob Jones. Bob Jones. <laughs> okay. Got it. <clears throat> New patrons. Thank you very much to Brennan Thornhill, Britt McKay, Brazette. Maribel, Katie, Jennifer Austin, Tasha, Cody Wooten. I feel like I've read Cody Wooten's name a couple times. Mm, Anyways, welcome back, Cody. Jaden Thomas, Natalie Matson, Jennifer C. Smith, Matt Bubb, Jared Davis, Kelly Harris, Cash, Jules, Caitlin Oruska, Rachel Vandenberg, Jamie McKay, Katie Hansen, Jen Hewitt, Probably Jennifer Love Hewitt. I think she listens to the show. I'm sure she does. Hey, shout out. <laughs> hey, Jenny. Love that show where you were the masseuse that gave specialties. What was that? Oh, I'll have to look that up after. Oh. Remind me. Remind me. <laughs> Jen Hewitt, Lauren Pardo, Michael Shields, Eva Butler, Brittany Moomaw, Tim Oist, Claudia Sanchez, Kristen K. Spencer, Jessica Bartush, Kobe Berg, Heather Wells, Amy Spink, Amber Corinne, Kim, Kristen Naley, Alaska Instagram guy, Lauren Sharp, Stephen, Amy Bottomley, Sabrina Aguayo, Butt Stuffers, <laughs> Nikki Shelton, Amy Garney, Jose Robles, Matthew Shaw, Brianna, Lindsay Wynat, Amanda, Kaylee Bearden, Brittany, Vicente Void, Amber Keith, Link Morris, Tegan, El Nind, Carissa Campbell, Giselle, Robbie Nalker, Eddie Cooper, Paige Poo, Jennifer Kleinhans, Adventurin Everyone Pod, Maiden of Mischief, Katriana Greger, Ashley Jaco, A. Holland, Carrie Gilbert, Kimberly Scott, Julie, Ryan London, Madison Justice, Kathy Sanders, and Nummer Judiotsu. 
Thank you guys very much. I know that was a lot of names to read, but it's been a couple of weeks since we actually recorded in the studio. We appreciate it. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. And remember, starting next month in March, we're going to give the even a dollar patrons a bonus show recapping the last month and giving you a look ahead at what's to come. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We appreciate it. I said there was a, a butt stuffer, a new patron. Is, is College Mike travel to the future to join Patreon? Nope, this is a new butt stuffer. Okay. Up and coming butt stuffer. Oh, all right. Up and coming <laughs> butt stuffer. Ian, what do we got? For iTunes, I won for Goblin 8 Unicorn, Jackie R267, Caitlin Panette, A. Laguine, The Real Mr. Muggs, Dom Sitarpan, Chloe Michaela, Hardman679. That was probably me. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> Gerald Jurdes, Anthony Thomason, King Daniel 323, Green Window, Tony Nurse, Chicken Daddy 4, Jen Stinnett. God damn, we got a lot of good reviews. That's oh, cool. And Zombie Me Too. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Thank you all very much. That's awesome. Dave, what do you got? We have one review today to discuss in Bad Review Corner. This is from uh, My Ubers here. It's titled, Dude Bros Got a Podcast. Dude Bros. Dude Bros. Are we Dude Bros? I, I don't think so. Too much mu- too much, ba- too much banter and not enough substance. I felt like I was listening to a bunch of Dude Bros in a locker room. If you are into misogynistic and high school sexual references, this is the pod for you. I unsubscribed. If I wanted to listen to high school boys locker room talk, I'd go back to high school. I, I mean, I, I think the dude bro stuff is done in irony. I don't think we're really doing a dude bro show here, right? And imagine if just like joking and talking about sex all, all, all automatically makes you a misogynist. Like you can't even talk about sex anymore. Yeah, I, I think this audience is 80% female and I think they yeah. understand that there's not really misogyny going on here. So yeah. I reject uh, I reject my Uber I think the the satire about the college nicknames and things like that are lost on a few of these people. Yeah, leave I, the, I think you're Leave right. the one-star reviews. I think yeah. But that's what I mean. A little like, too serious. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I'm making jokes about heterosexually sleeping with women, now we're misogynists. Apparently, Mike. I guess so. That's fine. Just telling how it is. The misogynist one always just annoys me. Like, I don't yeah. know. People just don't get our humor, I guess. Yeah. Like, they're just morons. Which is fine. Not everyone can be as sophisticated as us and, and our listeners. It's true. Absolutely. Meanwhile, like I you class. said, Dave, what our female, our audience is 80% female. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Clearly, they're not offended. No. Once in a while, maybe, but they get over it. And then we also edit out the stuff that we say <laughs> that we, we shouldn't. But that's just because well, we're drunk and being stupid. We're, dumb, to, we're dumb asses, we're to, d- be, we're to be dumb honest. Men, we're dumb men who <laughs> need to be told better by the superior women. Okay. Um, you guys got anything else? Fuck no, man. I got nothing. I'm good. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next week with part two of Head and Clark. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod, and then uh, Amazon.com search Necronomapod for all of our merch. Uh, Appreciate all all of you listening and reaching out to us. We are... uh, you know, very humbled by the amount of listeners and support that we have had over the last few months. It's it's grown pretty uh, pretty fantastically the last few months. So thank you all very much, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, you guys ready for a cooldown beer? 
Cheers.